Hi friends, this is Matthew Dowling and I am your host for The Preacher Cast, a discussion of Christianity, the church, and life in Christ. This podcast is dedicated to sharing the rich theological fruit of the Protestant Reformation and considering the news of the world through the lens of the Christian worldview. This is the September 26, 2020 edition of the Preacher Cast, and today we'll be looking at a number of items in the news. After we look at the news, I'll be sharing five things this week which are on my mind, and then I'll share the book I am reading. Now, before we turn to the podcast, let me remind you that you can check out my blog and take advantage of the resources there, including a daily devotional published each morning. You can access my website at matthewdowling.org. That is matthewdowling.org. And, of course, you can subscribe to The Preacher Cast over at anchor.fm. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash PreacherCast, and you can access previous episodes of the show, including not only the PreacherCast, but also my weekly apologetics podcast, Three Minutes to a Stronger Faith. Okay, let's turn our attention to this week's news and analysis. Well, we learned this week, in fact, late last week, that Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was a tireless advocate of abortion, died at the age of 87 of pancreatic cancer. We know that Associate Justice Ginsburg was an important liberal voice in the Supreme Court, and the vacancy that results from her death a week ago Friday uh, raises the political stakes in this year's presidential election. Now, I want to think particularly about Ruth Bader Ginsburg as a champion of abortion. In 2019, when she accepted the Bergruen Prize, she brought up poor women as a reason for her support of abortion. She said at the time, quote, one of the things that happened after Roe v. Wade is that women wanted to be able to control their own destiny. It is so obvious that the only people restricted are poor women, end quote. In 2009, Associate Justice Ginsburg caused a stir when she made comments about Roe v. Wade that also hinted at eugenics. She said this, quote, Frankly, I had thought that at the time Roe was decided, there was concern about population growth, and particularly growth in populations that we don't want too many of. Ginsburg told that to the New York Times, and it gives you a sense for how Uh, she thought about Roe v. Wade. In 2016, she was one of the five justices who struck down Texas abortion mill regulations that protected women's health and safety, requiring that abortionists have admitting privileges to a nearby hospital. And last year, Ginsburg criticized fellow Justice Clarence Thomas for referring to women who have abortions as mothers. Of course, by definition, the only people who can have abortions are those who are pregnant, which by definition would be mothers. But she felt like that personalized too much the woman undergoing the procedure. Last October, in 2019, former President Bill Clinton admitted that abortion was a major factor in his decision to nominate Ginsburg to the United States Supreme Court. Democrats raised more than $50 million in the hours following Ginsburg's death, revealing the fight over her replacement has already galvanized the party's base. 
I would suggest perhaps Ginsburg's legacy is best summarized by Isaiah 59, verse 7, which says this, Their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed innocent blood. They pursue evil schemes. Acts of violence mark their ways. I don't mean that uh, to be disrespectful of the associate justice, but I think her support for abortion makes her legacy at best problematic. Well, in light of uh, Justice Ginsburg's death, President Trump vowed to nominate pro-life justices upon death of Ruth Ginsburg. In fact, last Saturday, President Donald Trump said that he will nominate a female Supreme Court justice to replace Ginsburg. He said, quote-unquote, without delay. Here's what he said in full. Quote, we have an obligation. We won, and we have an obligation as the winners to pick who we want. That's not the next president. Hopefully, I'll be the next president. But we're here now. Right now, we're here. We have an obligation to the voters, all of the people, the millions of people that put us here in the form of a victory. We have an obligation to them, to all of those voters. It's a very simple thing, end quote. At the top of President Trump's list of 44 pro-life conservative jurists is a woman by the name of Amy Coney Barrett, a member of the Federal Appeals Court for the Seventh Circuit. She is a former law professor at Notre Dame, and Judge Barrett enjoys a kind of rock star reputation in conservative circles, according to the New York Times. She is also a pro-life Catholic. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has vowed that President Trump's Supreme Court nominee will, quote, receive a vote on the floor of the United States Senate, end quote. The question is whether there is enough time for a nominee to appear, both before the Senate Judiciary Committee and for the Senate to confirm her before the presidential election. Right now, there are 53 Republicans and 47 Democrats in the United States Senate. Alaska GOP Senator Lisa Murkowski, a pro-abortion liberal, has vowed that she will not vote for a Supreme Court justice before Inauguration Day. Presuming all the Democratic senators vote against Trump's nominee, McConnell could afford to lose three GOP votes as long as Vice President Pence breaks the deadlock with his tie-breaking vote. To be clear, if the Senate has not yet taken a confirmation vote prior to November 3rd, even if President Trump loses the election and the Republicans lose the Senate majority, a Trump nominee could still be confirmed before the inauguration of a hypothetical presidency by President-elect Joe Biden by January 20th, 2021. We'll keep an eye on this news. In fact, I should note that at the time of this podcast releasing, Uh, It is the day the president has promised to name his nominee to fill the seat vacated by Associate Justice Ginsburg. Well, we learned news this week that uh, Kroger, a grocery chain store, fired two Christians for refusing sodomite-themed aprons. An Arkansas Kroger supermarket violated, it turns out, a federal anti-discrimination law when it fired two Christian employees who refused to wear homosexual-themed aprons, according to a lawsuit filed a week ago Monday by the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, this according to the reports from Christian Headlines. The Kroger Company operates 2,700 grocery stores in 35 states under a variety of names, including Kroger and Harris Teeter. If you would like to fight this action on on part of uh, the Kroger grocery store chain, you can call and object to it by dialing 
1-800-576-4377. That's 1-800-576-4377. And let me remind you, Leviticus 18, verse 22 says this, quote, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Well, we turn from the news about the Supreme Court to news of a 4.5 magnitude earthquake in Southern California. This earthquake was reported late last Friday a week ago, and it rattled a wide swath of Southern California, but caused no major damage, this according to the Los Angeles Times. There were no immediate reports of injuries or deaths. We turn our attention now to China, where on September 17th we're learning a Chinese Christian woman named Hope, and her two children realized somebody was watching them. Hope turned around to face the man following them, Immediately, she started recording him on her phone, according to reports from the International Christian Concern. The man turned out to be an undercover policeman, ordered to follow Hope because she was a member of the Early Rain Covenant Church, a well-known unregistered church in Chengdu, Sichuan province. Pastor Wang Yi, the lead pastor of the Early Rain Covenant Church, is currently imprisoned by the Chinese government. Hope told the man who was following her, quote, I am a Christian attending Early Rain Covenant Church and take care of two kids every day. I have no clue what laws I have broken, end quote. To which the man admitted, the government sent me to spy on you because you believe in a cult. My friends listening today, I want to encourage you to be in prayer uh, for Chinese Christians who are suffering under the oppressive rule of the Chinese government. And in particular, I want to encourage you to pray for Pastor Wang Yi and the members of the Early Rain Covenant Church, who have been a very special targeted community by the Chinese government because of their Christian activities. More news when we return from the break. Well, we're back, and we begin with news uh, about, uh, about, excuse me, Christian evangelist Franklin Graham. Christian evangelist Franklin Graham is calling for a prayer march on Saturday, September 26th at the nation's capital, this according to the Christian Post. Evangelist Graham said this, quote, As I stand in our nation's capital, I know this country is in trouble. The only hope for America is God. And on the 26th of September, I'm holding a prayer march right here on the Mall. And we're going to go from what's behind me, the Lincoln Memorial, all the way down to the Capitol, praying for this country. It is a prayer march. He went on to say, prayer is our most important weapon. It allows us to go directly to the King of Kings, directly to stand in front of the throne of grace and make our petitions known directly to God, end quote. Graham is calling on the nation to pray for President Trump who he calls probably the best president we've had in my lifetime. But Graham also told the Western Journal this, quote, It seems like our country is out of control, and I feel that the only hope for our country is God. Graham went on to tell the Christian Post that the United States is, quote-unquote, crumbling. I don't see our nation able to go much further unless we repent and call upon the name of Almighty God. Well, we turn our news from the prayer march on the 26th of September to news coming out of the Vatican. 
Over the weekend last week, the leader of the Roman Catholic Church endorsed the homosexual orientation, announcing to members of the church, quote, God loves them as they are, and the church loves them as they are because they are children of God. This according to a report from America magazine. Pope Francis's comments were made to parents of children practicing a lifestyle of homosexuality. This is troubling news coming out of the Vatican, not news uh, really to those who have been close observers of Pope Francis, who tends to have many liberal tendencies and makes traditional Catholics quite nervous. But we should know, in no uncertain terms, the Word of God tells us this, in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9-11. through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Again, that's 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Well, we turn our attention from news coming out of the Vatican to news coming out of the corporate American culture. The just-released quarterly Federal Reserve Financial Account Survey gives more insight into the present state of the American economy. As it turns out, corporate debt has grown at an annual average of 16% for the first six months of this year, while government debt grew at an annual average of 35% for the first six months. Household and state government debt grew at a more modest 2.4% annual average. The overall U.S. debt of $59 trillion increased from 232% of the gross domestic product in 2008 to 341% of the GDP in 2020. That's up from 165% of the GDP in 1980. Proverbs 22 verse 7 reminds us this, quote, The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Also, the U.S. industrial production capacity utilization percentage has averaged at 69% for the last six months, the lowest levels since the 2008 recession. Well, we saw that the fire season is not over in California this week. In fact, California fires burned 3.4 million acres this year. The Bobcat Fire, as it's called, near Los Angeles has burned about 100,000 acres, and that's only one of 27 different wildfires still burning in the state of California. As mentioned, a total of 3,400 acres of the state burned this year. Five of California's worst wildfires ever occurred have occurred this year in 2020, and seven of the seven worst fires have occurred in the last three years. We turn our attention from the California wildfires, fires, which we need to be in prayer for, now to news about abortion. Ipsos polling has found that international opinions on the legalization of abortion are shifting by nation, this according to a report from Bloomberg News. Increasing support for abortion was found over the last six years in places like Mexico, Russia, South Korea, Argentina, Belgium, and India mostly of which are nations in the process of legalizing abortion. But slight decreases now are being seen in places such as France, Spain, Turkey, Germany, and Italy, partially due to the immigration 
and immigrant statuses in those countries. The United States, after it was all said and done, was flat. There's been no change. Nonetheless, we should hear the words of Jesus to the nations in Matthew 12, verse 41. He said, The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed, a greater one than Jonah is now here. More after we return from the break. We turn now into the news, uh, looking at information about an Indonesian Bible translator who was allegedly shot and killed by the military in that country. On September the 19th, unknown assailant shot and killed Pastor Jeremiah Zanambani at his farm in Intanjaya, Papua, Indonesia. He was known across the country for his servant's heart and for translating the Bible into Papua's uh, Moni dialect according to a report from International Christian Concern. Pastor Zanambani's congregation, called the Gospel Tabernacle Church, claimed that military officers killed him for no reason. Just to give a bit of context to this story, West Papua has a long history of violence following Indonesia's annexation of the territory after Indonesia gained its independence from the Netherlands. Revelation 6 and verse 9 says this, that when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they hailed. I look forward to meeting Pastor Zanambani one day in heaven and hearing his stories about how he laid his life down for Christ. Well, turning from the news concerning Indonesian Bible translation and the murder of an important pastor to news about the vice president. Turns out this week, Vice President Pence's plane had to make an emergency landing. Air Force Two, which was carrying the Vice President, was forced to make an emergency landing uh, the other night after running into a bird strike, a report coming to us from the U.S. Sun. The plane was forced to return to Manchester Boston Regional Airport moments after the Vice President attended a campaign rally in New Hampshire. Turning from news about the Vice President, we now look at news coming from Attorney General William Barr, who last week spoke at Hillsdale College's Constitution Day. Attorney General Barr says at this uh, ceremony for Constitution Day that elected officials should decide the response to the COVID pandemic, not scientists. This according to a report from CBS this morning. Barr said this, quote, a person in the white coat is not the grand seer who can come up with the right decision for society. A free people makes its decision through its elected representatives, end quote. He was also blunt in his criticism of the COVID tyrannical lockdown quarantines, which has impeded freedom to worship and the freedom to go to work for many. He said this, quote, putting a national lockdown, stay-at-home orders upon the American people is like house arrest, 
other than slavery, which was a different kind of restraint, this is the greatest intrusion on civil liberties in American history. End quote. Well, we turn from news about uh, uh, Attorney General Barr's uh, speech at the Hillsdale College, which is here in Michigan, by the way, to news about democratic politics. The various attempts to force President Donald Trump out of office during his first term have all the hallmarks of the sort of coup that intelligence agencies would engineer to topple hostile regimes who uh, exist in foreign countries. This, at least, according to former Duke University professor and former Trump speechwriter uh, Darren Beatty, recording, uh, reported by LifeSiteNews.com. Listen to what Beatty told Fox News' Tucker Carlson last Tuesday. Beatty said, quote, What's unfolding before our eyes is a very specific type of coup called the color revolution. It's a regime change model favored by many in our national security apparatus, particularly useful against Eastern European countries to overthrow target regimes that they don't like. The chief characteristic of it is a combination of the engineered contest election scenario combined with massive mobilized protest, which they call, as a term of art, peaceful protests and acts of civil disobedience. Beatty went on to say, if that sounds familiar, it gets even better. It's not only the same strategies and tactics used against Trump that is used against Eastern European dictators that our national security apparatus doesn't like. It's literally the same people who are color revolution professionals who have a long history of using the same tactics against foreign leaders they don't like to use against democratically elected President Donald Trump. It's the same people using the very same playbook, end quote. Darren Beatty named the key man who has helped to orchestrate a color revolution against President Trump. Beatty said this, quote, Norm Eisen is a key legal hatchet man, a Democrat operative, a former Obama ethics czar, believe it or not. He is also a key architect of nearly every effort to censor, sue, impeach, and overthrow the president. He is the author of, in fact, a color revolution playbook, literally called The Playbook. He's been behind over 180 lawsuits against President Trump. He authored 10 articles of impeachment before the president's phone call was even made to Ukrainian President Zelensky. He was special counsel to the Democrats for the impeachment product, uh, process, end quote. My friends, I encourage you to pray for our country and our government and that God would make these kind of activities, revolutionary activities, which threat the very fabric of our constitutional republic, that they would be exposed and that they would be repelled and that they would be put down. I think it's a very dangerous time in our country, and our country most certainly needs prayer, prayer for its leadership, prayer for its people, and prayer for its churches. Well, last Monday, Lifetime television station announced two new Christmas films for its A Wonderful Lifetime lineup coming up this holiday season, including its first homosexual-themed movie, The Christmas Setup. This according to reports from ChristianHeadlines.com. According to A&E Networks, the film will feature real-life homosexual faux-married couple Ben Lewis and Blake Lee as the main characters. A glowing Lifetime press release claimed the movie, the, This Christmas Setup, and that it's a feel-good LGBTQ holiday romance. Not surprisingly, homosexuals are also the writers and the directors. Proverbs 28 verse 5 says this, that evildoers do not understand what is right, 
but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. And then finally, news that on September 8th, a man by the name of Mr. Aria Demezzo, a self-described transsexual Satanist anarchist who presents himself as a woman with neon pink long hair and makeup, won the Republican nomination for sheriff of Cheshire County, New Hampshire, in a bid to prove that, quote, the system is utterly and hopelessly broke, end quote, a report coming to us from the New Hampshire Journal. Notice I said, and you heard it right, the Republican nomination for sheriff. What makes this man's victory especially uh, troublesome is that his campaign slogan was decidedly hostile to the very law enforcement officials he plans to manage. In a blog post, Mr. DeMesso lamented about uninformed voters who marched to their polling places, quote, despite knowing absolutely nothing about the person they were nominating to the most powerful law enforcement position in the county, end quote. Elizabeth Johnston, the activist mommy, said this, quote, This is a republic, folks, which means it's up to us to make sure that it works for us. You need to get informed and find out what you're voting for and show up at the ballot, end quote. I would only say to that, amen. Proverbs 29, verse 2 says this, That when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Well, one more news segment when we return after the break, and then I'll have uh, five things to share with you uh, for my Friday reflections and a little bit about the book that I read this week. More after the break. final segment of the news for the Preacher Cast. During address to the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast this week, President Donald Trump announced he would be signing a Born Alive executive order that would protect babies born after failed abortion attempts. President Trump said this, quote, Today, I am announcing that I will be signing the Born Alive executive order to ensure that all precious babies born alive, no matter their circumstances, receive the medical care that they deserve. This is our sacrosanct moral duty, end quote. Moving on, we learned this week also the U.S. Department of Justice identified New York City, Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington as jurisdictions permitting violence and destruction of property. The designations follow Trump's September 2nd memorandum on reviewing federal funding of state and local governments that are permitting anarchy, violence, and destruction. Our commander-in-chief wrote this, quote, My administration will not allow federal dollars to fund cities that allow themselves to deteriorate into lawless zones, end quote. Psalm 55 verse 9 says this, Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Also this week, 
the United States Secretary of State Mike Pompeo gave a talk entitled, quote, Keeping Faith in the Public Square at Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, Texas. Mr. Pompeo highlighted the disastrous effects of godless regimes that try to destroy religious liberty like in Cuba or Hitler's Germany and even communist China, and he called on Christians to live out their faith in all areas of life. Mr. Pompeo said this, quote, I keep a Bible on a table in my office. It's over on a small table at the side of my desk. I dig into the word as often as I can. And Galatians 6.9 tells us, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So he went on to conclude, he said, So, don't give up. Stay at it. Keep your faith. Shine your light. Walk with the Lord. Keep faith in the public square. And God will bless us, the United States of America, and the world. Well, turning from that kind of encouraging news to a new Barna survey, which found that 65% of U.S. church leaders said their facilities are open for normal use, with some precautions in place because of the coronavirus pandemic. 29% of pastors said their small groups and Bible studies continue to meet in person as usual, although 51% of pastors expect a decline in church attendance. 92% of pastors believe that their churches will survive the pandemic. Turning from that news to, to news coming from the United States Air Force, the U.S. Air Force is beginning to cancel its contracts for diversity and unconscious bias training following a memo from the White House. As you might have heard from the news, federal workplaces will no longer fund training that covers critical race theory, white privilege, or other training that teaches the United States or any, uh, or any ethnicity is inherently racist. Finally in the news this week, the police arrest three Christians for a psalm singing in a city hall parking lot. Moscow, Idaho police cited five Christians yesterday who were participating in a psalm singing event in the city hall parking lot. Police issued the citations over the city's mask and social distancing order and arrested three of those cited. Amongst those arrested was Latah County Commission candidate Gabe Pinch, Rinch, excuse me, one of the co-hosts of the conservative cross-politic uh, television show. Rinch went on the show yesterday evening and played, this, played a clip of himself talking to officers while people were singing Amazing Grace in the background. In the audio, we hear Rinch saying this, quote, I have the right to assemble and you guys are arresting me. Officer, this has to be getting to you, man. End quote. Well, Psalm 47, verse 6 and verse 8 says this, Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. God reigns over the nation. God sits on his holy throne. When we return from the break, I'll share five things this week that have been on my mind and then conclude with a book recommendation for you before we end the Preacher Cast. More after the break.
Well, as promised here, five things which have been on my mind this week. The first thing is mercy. What is mercy? Well, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. He said that in Matthew 5, 7. I've been thinking about what it means to be a merciful person and how I might be able to act on this in practical ways. And I've boiled mercy and its action in my life down to six primary things. When I want to show mercy to a person, I'm first going to listen to them. Secondly, I'm going to encourage them. Third, I'm going to comfort them. Fourth, I'm going to forgive them if necessary. Fifth, I'm going to understand them. And then number six, and most important, I will pray for them. I want to ask you this week, dear friend, what would happen if you showed mercy in these six ways to someone else? Well, turning from mercy, it's not a far leap to our second thing this week, which is compassion. I've been thinking about compassion this week and how it's becoming a thing that's often lost in our contemporary culture. It's rare, and I believe it is desperately needed. The reason why I've been thinking about compassion is it's an essential quality in some training that I've been doing as a hospital chaplain. Showing compassion to somebody is the intentional disposition of not only empathizing with what they're experiencing, but also trying to bring comfort in whatever way comfort is meaningful for the other person. I want to encourage you in these twin disciplines of mercy and compassion and see how maybe you're falling short in this area this week. Well, my fourth thing is actually the book that I'm going to be talking about reading this week, and so we'll skip it and save it for the end. But uh, we'll give a new number four with it, which is patience. Uh, in my church, I've been preaching over the fruit of the Spirit, the nine fruits of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. And I believe of all the nine, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think I missed one. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There they are. I believe patience is the one that's often most difficult to come by. I preached over this virtue last Sunday, and if you go to matthewdowling.org and just do a search for patience, you can listen to that sermon. Uh, at the risk of self-promotion, I commend it to you. I think it will be helpful. And then my fifth thing this week, and don't worry, we're going to circle back around to number three for our book review. My fifth thing this week on my mind is, is it possible to enjoy something that's pumpkin spice if you are keto like I am? And it turns out the answer is yes. Now, the reason I'm even thinking about this is because here in Michigan, the trees are changing color and the mornings have been very cool in the upper 40s and 50s, meaning that fall is here. And fall makes me excited to bring on hot drinks. I mean, I love my morning cup of coffee. And so recently, because of the fall weather changes, I've wanted to add pumpkin spice something to the equation of my life. The problem, though, is that I am kind of a keto, zero-carb person right now. And I really need something to make this work for me because most pumpkin spice things are full of sugar. Well, it turns out that there is a zero-carb pumpkin spice coffee syrup. Now, other men listening to this probably are spinning in their chairs right now thinking this sounds pretty lame. But I want to tell you that uh, a brand called Jordan's Skinny Mixes 
produces a sugar-free pumpkin spice coffee syrup that you can add to your coffee. And if you're looking for kind of a, a dessert kind of coffee, the kind you put some heavy cream in with some of this sugar-free pumpkin spice stuff, it makes for a pretty tasty drink. And so I want to commend that to you. And with that being said, I will turn in my man card if anyone so desires, but I don't care. It's delicious. And finally, in the Preacher Cast today, I want to tell you about something, a little journey I've been on, reading through the novels based on movies by Alex and Stephen Kendrick. And holding true to this project this week, I finished reading the Fireproof novel based on the movie of the same name produced by the Kendrick's brothers. It was excellent, and I really enjoyed reading through the book. In fact, I have to be honest with you, it's made me a better husband this week. The book actually was novelized uh, based on the script, and it was work done by a man named Eric Wilson. Now, Eric Wilson had done work on uh, the first two Kendrick's Brothers movies. The first was called Flywheel, and the second was Facing the Giants. And this is a really excellent novelization. I think he does a great job of capturing the feel of the movie, and he adds a little extra thing here and there that kind of fills in some of the blanks. And so uh, if you're looking, if you enjoy, first off, the Kendrick's Brothers movies, I commend them to you, and they're awesome. But I think these novelizations are really done well, and they can kind of be a nice nighttime read when you're trying to settle down for the day. All right, my friends, that's going to do it for the Preacher Cast today. My name is Matthew Dowling. I've been your host for the Preacher Cast, and this is a discussion of Christianity, the church, and life in Christ. I hope that this news roundup has been helpful for you, and as always, I want to commend you to be in prayer for all of these news items. Many of them need our prayers badly. Until next time, dear friends, may God bless you.